Hello and welcome to a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and welcome back to a brand new episode. This week, I'm back from my trip, and it's going to be all about Japan. Traveling across this beautiful landscape for two weeks, I've come back and I've got a hell of a lot to tell you guys. Seriously. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. Listener, viewer, this is for you. If you are even slightly interested in traveling Japan into just learning about the whole process of going through uh, planning, getting to and from places, understanding the landscape that is Japan, and learning about new cultures, and learning about the experience that myself and my little sister went through over this two-week extravagant dream of a trip to this beautiful place that we call Nihon <laughs> or Japan, uh, the land of the rising sun. Ah, I see. You're a man of culture as well. Japan for me has always been a play, a destination I've always wanted to go to, ever since I was probably around 16, 17 years old, discovering it through, uh, of course, anime, but also through just general interest in traveling to places at a young age. Japan has always been on my list of places to go, and it was only uh, five years ago when I agreed to going alongside my little sister to this place, and I thought it was, the, it was a, a, a destination to travel with someone else for the first time ever for me personally. I've always traveled solo, so this was a really interesting trip to travel along someone, uh, travel along someone else. And I would actually say Japan is probably the best country for a beginner traveler. I think it is bulletproof in terms of getting to places, people being able to get, like comprehend you even though they don't speak English, being able to get to and from places on your own, being able to book hostels, hotels, uh, being able to get fantastic food no matter where you are, seeing insane views. It's got everything. Now, here's the only downside, and I think this is something that you, the listener, the viewer, should know straight off the bat, is that you're thinking most likely of traveling to the main hubs. Those main hubs are the places that I visited. It's going to be Tokyo, it's going to be Osaka, it's going to be Kyoto, it's going to be Nara, it's going to be Hiroshima, and it's going to be the mini towns in between these places. For instance, where uh, we went to Hakune, we went to Kamamura, we went to just little Nara as well. So this is um, for you, the listener and the viewer, who's interested in these destinations. You will find that there is a lot of cityscape. And you'll be wondering to yourself, where's the real, natural Japan? And it is there for you. You have to just go find it. You don't say. You don't say. You don't say. If you just stick to the tourist uh, road, you know, if, if you just follow what everything's on Instagram or if you follow everything that's online, you will just get stuck in the cityscape, I would say. You'll see some amazing shrines, don't get me wrong. You'll see some amazing landscapes from atop many buildings. But in order to get out into the countryside, the only downside is that you're either going to have to take a long journey via train or you're going to have to rent our car. So, disclaimer, right there within the first few minutes of the podcast. And I think that's a really good one for those who are thinking to themselves, well, I want to see the rural Japan. I want to see the Japan of those beautiful uh, <laughs> sort of rice fields, paddy fields, and, and the old school Japan. And you will see it. Don't get me wrong. If you are traveling to any of those locations, I would actually say out of all of the places I've just mentioned so far, Hakone is your real 
lock on to it. That is a place you want to go. That is a amazing destination. It's probably my favorite destination so far out of all the places I went to in Japan because it was a mixture of mountains, forest, nature, being able to see an, a, a lake for the first time in, in Japan. It was just this beautiful Lake Ashi that we, we stayed at and just a, a relaxing region amongst all of the steps and all of the, the traveling that you're going to do throughout Japan is a fantastic place for you to go stop over and for you to, you know, take a break and just be like, oh, God, thank goodness. Because something that uh, you will notice and you will see is all of the stuff you're going to want to get done within two weeks. Is two weeks enough, you may be asking? Just about. Just about. It is cr- going to be crammed for, full. So if you're thinking you want a relaxing holiday, Japan is not going to be for you. <laughs> Number one, it's definitely not going to be for you. Number two, it's it's also going to be um, a destination of constantly seeing new places. So you will never get bored. So there's a plus there really for you. You're never going to be bored in Japan. There's always going to be something more to see. There's always going to be a shrine. There's always going to be a, a store you want to visit, a place you want to see, a hilltop you want to watch the world from, a park you want to visit, a ruins, castle ruins to see. You know, there's there's so many places. Even in Tokyo itself, we spent uh, two days at the beginning of the trip and another two days at the end of the trip. And we still had more places to visit within at the end of it. Now, I think one of my favorite things, even though we still had those objectives to fulfill, is that we went our own way a couple of times. We took the unknown path where there was no tourist attraction at the end of it. It was just, should we walk this way? Should we go to see down this path? Should we go down this alleyway? Should we go find this beautiful little uh, nature reserve that's been built within the city? Should we go see what that shrine is? Should we go see the local 7-Eleven and choose out our, our breakfast and our morning coffee? I mean, nobody on the internet is talking about how it's 200 yen, which 1,000 yen is, I believe it's five pounds, right? Which is insane to have like a pound, you know, we're talking about here, one fifth of, you know, five quid, to a pound for a coffee, you know? Two plus two is four, minus one, that's three quick maths. Crazy, crazy, a pound for a coffee in the morning. Like, normally I'm paying three times that amount. Now, granted, I know three three quid a day, you know, for coffee, you may be saying, Chris, don't be so bloody greedy. But for me, it's the little things like that. When I'm waking up in the morning, I've got a couple of spare hundred yen in my pocket, a couple of two, you know, a couple of yen, and then I just, boom, go in and, you know, spend a pound on a extremely tasty Americano, if I do say so. You know, 7-Eleven is one of the most un... You know, maybe it's overrated, underrated. I think it's incredible what they have in Japan. The fact that 24 hours a day, every day, you have this shop that's run by amazing people where you can use both credit card and cash. And you don't even have to necessarily interact with the teller apart from asking for a bag or getting specific change where they give you the change. But mainly, the change comes out of the machine because you're interacting with the screen. And we discovered this on our first day. We went in, I got myself, I was a little bit jet-lagged, I was tired. I was like Red Bull and some cold coffee, basically, you know, doubling up on the caffeine to be able to get me through the day. And it was just like, bam, 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 we're done, out of it. 
And we all of that anxiety, all of that nervousness of you going to a new country and thinking, oh God, I don't speak any of the language. I'm, you know, I've, I've got minimal words. I've got please, thank you. I've got hello, how are you doing? Like, where's the local train station? Like, all of these, like, basically useless things that you get taught on du Duolingo. <laughs> that bloody bird. Looks like you missed your Spanish lesson today. You know what happens now. Now beg for your life in Spanish. What's that? You are crying. Come on, don't cry. Just one more lesson until you can see your family again. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, the little Japanese that I did know, it worked. You know, you didn't really need to, and people spoke English there. And of course, at the end of the day, what have you got? It's called Google Translate. Use it. It's an incredible tool created by Google that we all have on our phones. And it's all always available. And all you have to do is press that download button on the Japanese language, and you're set. You don't even need a Wi Fi connection, for God's sake. Now, granted, this is the trip where, for the first time ever, I bought a Wi Fi box. We paid uh, 75 quid for two weeks, for unlimited data across Japan, it was flawless. Because all they give you is a mobile phone. It's a mobile phone with an operating system that is just for Wi-Fi. So it's just a hot Wi-Fi hotspot for you to use the entire time. Genius. So you charge it like a phone. You, you, the only thing that's on it, though, is just the, the hotspot. So you just turn it on and off. Sorted. It's, and then you don't have to worry about like what I normally do is where I go into a Starbucks and load up the, the local Google Maps to be able to get to and from the hostel or to, to get to the hotel or to get to uh, the next location. And you don't have to worry about it you know, skipping out or you missing the train and not being able to update it. You know, All of these little things get removed. So I would recommend it if you want to remove and relax it just a little bit more. I'm going to be using it from now on. It's something I learned from this trip is like Wi-Fi boxes. You know, just get them, like a SIM card, basically, you know. It just saves you so much time and effort and makes you relax a hell of a lot longer when you're thinking about getting to your next destination. Because we were hitting so many places uh, over the two-week period that it would have been stupid to just be relying on public Wi-Fi. Now, granted, Japan has amazing public Wi-Fi. There's plenty of boxes out there, but you don't want to just solely rely on that, especially when you have so much to get done. For instance, within Tokyo, you've got Sensoji, you've got um, a couple of places where we went to. For instance, I went to the Garden of Words Garden. which is just incredible. It's actually even more beautiful in real life. It's, you know, the, the animation does it justice, the beautiful, like, sort of um, skyscrapers in the background and the, the garden there and its peace and its beauty and also being able to go see uh, your name, the stairway up, up into from the temple in the movie, which is so cool to see. Mama. 
てわかった嬉しくて泣くのは悲しくて笑うのは君の心が君を追い越したんだよ<笑>あの俺君をどこかで Um, obviously, I'm going to be、uh, playing the references for all these films throughout this podcast as well. It's just a dream because you're thinking to yourself, how do films capture this landscape and make it look better and make you go into it? And, th- and then you get there and it's like, this shouldn't be real. But it is. It's like when I went to New Zealand, I was like, this is Lord of the Rings. I'm in, the, I'm in Middle Earth. This is incredible. And it's, you know, the, the thing is that some people say, you know, reality is a hard hitter. You know, everything has to be a downer. But when you realize your dreams like this, and you have this amazing chance to let the people around the world know that, the, that their dreams can come true. It's just, it makes you so happy. It makes you feel alive. It makes this come back to life. And I'm pointing to my brain for those who are just listening. Because that's what happened to me. I was mentally exhausted before I went to, on this trip. And I've come back and I am wired. I am ready to rock and roll. Because there's nothing that's going to reset you more than achieving something. Out of your life and discovering a new place and why to go to and from and, and eating just random Japanese food every single day. You know, one of my highlights was being in Hiroshima and going into a purely Japanese restaurant. We were the only you know, foreigners in there, and the owner was cooking and he cooked us a meal. and I had the beef curry, incredible. Just even my, even my sister, who's vegetarian, had a few scoops. It was just like, oh my god, it's amazing. You know, and, and, and then there was the、uh, very notorious pancakes, savory pancakes that are cooked, and he made them there up in noodles and the cabbage, and that was incredible. And I wasn't even expecting to like it. That says everything you need to know. You, you're going in thinking, no, it won't be very good. I don't want that. It doesn't look great. And then you try some, and you're like, dear Lord, this is it. This is home cooking galore. And I was like, it's as if. You know, it, it, it's something where you can taste as if there's heritage there, there's beauty there, and it's just like there's an art. You know, people like that, this is what breaks my heart a little bit. And I saw this recently、um, in Jujutsu Kaisen where、uh, Nanami says, Why is this? You know, if I disappear, it won't matter because I'm doing a numbers game. He played as, you know, his job was in. in The finance district. But then he said to the baker girl, the girl at the bakery, if you disappeared, all of your customers would be upset and they would miss you. Essentially, my job is to take money from wealthy people and use it to make those people even more wealthy. That's pretty much all it is. Frankly, no one would even mind if I were to just vanish. But people who wanted bread would definitely mind if their bakery was gone. 
Yet for some reason, my job, which exists completely outside of the natural human cycle, pays better money. When you think about it logically, it really doesn't make any sense at all. And this is what I and the, and yet the horrible con, you know the horrible thing of reality is that he got paid a lot more, and this girl who's the in the bakery gets paid near pittance. And this is what I'm comparing it to to the man in that Japanese you know that restaurant. He should be getting paid more than bankers, because he's bringing joy to people's lives by his cooking. And he was there were regulars there every day who ate there, nonchalantly, but they were he was bringing joy to their life. And this is what kills me. It kills me that people like that have to scrape a living sometimes. And he clearly he's got family and he looks he he looked fine. But it's just there is a part of me that thinks the world's unfair in that case. You know? I compare my job, I'm an IT, you know, and I, I I do think that jobs like that are the real soul to their to to bring joy to people. It's 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 the way of the world. Anyway, back to, to Japan. Anyway, that was a real highlight. Another highlight that you know you may or may not want to listen to you, the listener, the viewer. But I loved a public bath. I've, I did it twice. So once at this hotel we stayed at in Hakone, and it was just a beautiful scenic. It had an outdoor area as well, so you could you you had the indoor public bath, and. You, obviously it's sectioned off in male and female and you go in and you wash yourself off and then you go into these boiling pools first they're, they're, they're seriously hot you've got three different types of bath you've got the hot pool the medium pool and the cold pool and i love all of it i love the fact that you can switch between them cool yourself off then jump back in and i think um the first time i went in the public bath i think the maximum i could stay in the hot hot pool was for like a minute that was it and i was out and then i was back in and then i was out <laughs> <laughs> and then the second time I went around, I was able to into a completely different bath in back in Tokyo. It was like 500 yen to get in. Obviously, the hotel one was totally free, but uh, the this one, the public bath, like proper public bath, um, was 500 yen to use it. Hot, hot, cold, you know, medium pool, same scenario. Except this time it was just up, you know, these these were the locals. This wasn't a hotel, this wasn't filled filled with gaijin. It was filled with just the, the normal people of the local Tokyo neighborhood. And it's just like, this is it. You're experiencing. And the guy who ran it, he saved me my, in my shoes and my footlocker, literally got stuck and he just went, he made us all look like amateurs. Three different, ty- ty- uh, two, uh, myself, my sister, and another local Japanese lady who who my sister met, tried to open this footlocker, and guy comes over, nonchalantly, wanders in like, you know, Clint Eastwood, into, coming into the bar, he's just like, this isn't nothing to me, sir. Hey! Get out of my way. And he just literally gets his elbow, go bang, 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 open, bang, one shot, boom. And we were all laughing. We were having hysteria. Like me and my sister, the local lady, all grinning to each other because this guy just did it so smoothly. Like he'd done it a thousand times. And it was just brilliant. You just look at him and he's just like, yeah, 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 whatever. Not even a word of English. And he just, he's he smiles. He knows exactly what he's done. And we just like wave goodbye. Arigato gozaimasu. Like, you know, and you can hear it the appreciation for people now japan on the other side of it you know this is where we're interacting with people and i loved it i loved every interaction we had with a japanese person or a person in in that country they were brilliant they are the friendliest people when you interact with them 
Genuinely, I have not, not, not a bad thing to say about that country's people or the country itself. The only downside is if you were to live there. Because I can definitely see a level of isolationism. I can see the trains, they're quiet. There's no talking done in the trains. There's very little socialising apart from through um, work, you know, drinks and meals along those lines. And we all know the corporations within Japan don't give a lot of flexibility like they do in Europe. And it is worse than in the US as well with the culture of working. So it is a, a kind of not a fun environment to grow up in if you're you know, my age and you're in that industry because you're working all hours God sends and everyone who's older than you is your superior and you have to do everything they say. So there is that downside. But as a visitor, <laughs> this is the problem. It's like as somebody who's just visiting Japan, you get all the benefits. You get all the fun. You go in, you get out the airport, you go straight to the train station at Hanada, you get yourself a welcome Suica card. You get that Suica card, you fill it up with however much yen you, you did. We did 5,000, lasted us ages. We I think we did a total, this isn't including the bullet trains, but a total of 15,000 yen. So, you know, three different um, times we filled it up. And we just got all, you've got to remember, that's all the way, that's all around Tokyo, that's all around Osaka, and that's all around Hiroshima, using this one card, and it works everywhere. And you can even use it, and I used up the last of my yen at the airport at Hanada, buying snacks in the machine. That's how brilliant the infrastructure is for tourists in, in, in Japan. It's genius. It really is. And I think the bullet trains as well, you don't, so myself and my sister went in thinking we had to reserve everything. So on our second day in uh, Japan, we reserved all of our trains in the, in, in the future for all of our bullet trains, which are known as Shinkansen. And on the Shinkansen, uh, you can go to a specific carriage where you've got your seats reserved. Now, it's brilliant. I tell you what, when we did go onto the reserve carriage uh, from Hiroshima to Tokyo, Really glad we did because we can chuck our baggage behind us in this in this section behind us, which is for reserve seating and uh, for baggage, and then you can just sit, relax, and know that nobody is going to you know talk to you about your seat. It's not like in the UK where your reserve seat's taken by someone else, and no one's ever rude enough to do that. It's not ever going to have to worry about um, your seat losing your seat or anything along these lines. And you know for a fact everybody's going to sit in their allocated seat immediately without fail and it's going to be quiet it's going to be great you're going to have the greatest travel time and you're going to watch as the amazing japanese countryside goes past you i tell you what that train from hiroshima to tokyo just something else you're just sat there and you're like is this bloody real is this bloody real is is this what i'm seeing right now it's and it is and it's just how how lucky you can be to to see and um yeah i know it's just it's crazy man it really is it's it's so crazy to think that we did all that in it's such a short amount of time and i'm i'm just scratching the surface you know for the, for this trip we then um with all of the traveling i said as i said with 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 all of the places we visited i'm only touching the highlights so i'm going to continue to talk about the best stuff and I'm going to try and counteract it with the worst stuff so one one thing I do want to mention we stayed in mostly hostels and we stayed in two hotels now if I was going to change one th thing about this trip it was going to remove all the hostels 
and just go with hotels. Now, it's nothing to do with the hostels. Um, the f first one, we were a little bit taken aback by it. It was literally just someone's house or business been converted into a hostel. Uh, it had like one room with hostel beds in and that was it. And then the other room was for private people. So that there's a little bit, mm, you know, I'm not, <laughs> it's, it's clearly a little bit of a push on the rules. Then we stayed in our second hostel, which is a proper hostel. And we really liked that one. However, it, it's just, we, I started to realize for my sister and for myself as well, um, I was just a bit, a little bit tired of like when you're doing this intensive 25,000 steps a day, you're going to see all this places. When you get back, you don't want to have to worry about your sleep being interrupted. And that is the one bad thing is like people snoring, um, people, you know, being people basically having a few drinks, maybe or something on those lines. Now I've done it for 10 years. I've done hostling for 10 years. I'm done now. And if I'm going to book a trip from now on, I will be doing hotels because in the two hotels we stayed at, we had such a good time. We had this one in Hakone, which is, I will not name the name on this podcast because you guys aren't getting it. It's now staying <laughs> in my family. You're never getting it because it's too good. All right, then keep your secrets. It is it's far, it was far too fancy for myself uh, and for my sister. And we were just like, whoa, this is incredible. I can't believe we've got a deal on this. Insane. And it was overlooking the the Lake Ashi. It had all of the amenities. It had everything you could think of. It had a beautiful French breakfast, uh, set menu, but just like insane. Uh, and then the second hotel, it had a buffet, it had a, a view that overlooked the whole of Hiroshima, and it was in a perfect location. So this is the thing I've, I've realized now is that I'm just gonna shed out the money. And for a lot of people, they may not be able to do so. So this is me coming from a very privileged position. I totally get it. Um, if, if you're judging me, I totally feel it. It's totally fine. You can, you can totally judge me. I'm totally fine with that. But I did hustling for 10 years. It's a lot of money. I get it. I can feel you judging me. That's palpable. But hey, I never said I was the hero of this story. It's time. It's done. I'm 28 now. It's it's over. I can afford to do the the hotels. I was just just being cheap, um, and if I'm honest, I spent a lot less than I thought I was going to do, because of um, 7-Eleven. Because of all the stuff we did was mainly through the traveling that was expensive. I spent around, I think it was a total, including all of the traveling, all of the hostels. Um, it was around a thousand pounds for all of the shinkansen, all of the hostels and uh, any spending money that was for food as well. So it's just insane. And then you've got your thousand um, <clears> pounds <throat> flight. And, and once you've done that, you're looking at two, two, three thousand pounds max. And I spent a lot less than I thought I was gonna spend. Uh, and so I, I think I would much rather next time upgrading to hotels and, and making that decision. There's also the, the fact that, like I said, we did stay we didn't stay long enough in osaka slash kyoto so we only stayed in that region for two days i wish we'd knocked a day off tokyo and knocked a day off hiroshima and switched it so we could spend more time in kyoto and osaka because it just felt very rushed it um we also did like half a day at um i believe it was uh universal studios great uh, it would have been even better if we'd got access to Harry Potter World and the Mario World as well. However, uh, you have to be so early in the day to be able to get access to that. Because not only do you have to be in Universal Studios to be able to get tickets to it, you have to be there at like 7 in the morning to be able to get access to it. 
and it's gone just like that. So by the time you get there uh, at like eight or nine o'clock, you're only going to be able to get access to it at like seven o'clock in the evening. And we weren't willing to come back to Universal Studios just to be able to get access to Mario World. So it's it's very you know there's a little bit of a a tip for you if you're planning it. And and I realised as well. I wish we hadn't done it. I think. Uh, I would have much rather spent more time in Kyoto and tried to explore a couple of more places that we didn't get to explore. So there is that. So allocating time to places is very difficult because when we went to Hiroshima, we went to Miyagami Island, which is my second favorite place. So you got Hakone and then Miyagami Island. It was just, it was Destiny Islands, basically. It was like, obviously my, my main Destiny Islands is in Australia where my mate Alex lives and it reminds me so much of it. But there's also this, you know, Megami Island just reminds me of why uh, Kingdom Hearts is made by Jap Japan Japanese studios. Like it is, these islands are just exactly like Destiny Islands. Just this beautiful sandy beach surrounded by amazing jungle. You go up to the top of it, you can see the, the cityscape in, in the horizon with mountains behind it. And you're just like, how is Hiroshima like this amazing, massive city? And then it's surrounded by nature everywhere, just surrounded by it. And you can't get, you know, you can't, you can't believe it unless you see it. It's really hard to describe because unless you go there and you see the ocean and you take the, the ferry over to the island, which is Again, you can use your Suica card to get to and from, which is insane. You think about that, you're using the same card to use a ferry as well. Um, it's just, you know, something else altogether. I think Miyagami Island as well, we, we saw, you know, little running streams, mountainous regions, walking all around it. And I also think it would have been lovely to be able to stay at a hotel overnight just to be able to be there. Because it was just... It's just so scenic. You could have just sat there forever. You had the pagodas. You had um, the the beautiful shrines that were sitting on the water, you know, and also known as the gates. You know, you, you know the red gates that you see. Um, the name of them is totally lost on my mind right now, but you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You see them, and they're, they look like they're floating on the ocean, and I've got a couple of photos of that. And it's just stuff like that lives with you forever. And... I would recommend Miyagami Island for anyone who wants to, who's planning on going to Hiroshima. Actually, I think it's just a highlight of going there. I think it's just an incredible place uh, to, to, to visit, to, to make you really appreciate life and to, to make you think the world, you know, it may be a big place, but it makes it a hell of a lot smaller when you're sat just truly enjoying yourself, truly being one with, with, with who you, who you want to be. And it makes it, you know, I talked about this in many podcasts. When you have trips like this, it makes you appreciate all the work you've ever done, ever. Like all of the hard work you've ever done. Trips like this make you realize how much you, you appreciate your previous self for working so hard to get you to this point so that you can do these trips. Because everyone, when they're having a bad day, they wish they, they're somewhere else or they wish they were having a break. But there's one thing I've learned is that all the hard work makes all these trips worthwhile. You're not where you want to be. You feel like you're supposed to be somewhere else. <laughs> you said it. Well, say you could snap your fingers and be wherever you wanted to be. I bet you'd still feel this way, not in the right place. The point is you can't get so hung up on where you'd rather be that you forget how to make the most of where you are. What are you telling me? Take a break from worrying about what you can't control. Live a little. 
And when I was on the bullet train, or when I was in Miyagami Island, or when I was in Osaka looking over the beautiful uh, shrines, or the incredible castle ruins, or the beautiful lit up uh, castles in both Hiroshima and Osaka, just at night, Osaka Castle just lit up, shining with white light. And then in Hiroshima, the beautiful uh, castle shining with a pink, purple, yellow light. Like they're changing the light every day. And they've got amazing drinks machines everywhere you go. Beautiful public toilets. Beautifully well-kept parks. The place is so clean you could eat off the bloody floor. That's how much they care about their country. And it breaks my heart that England isn't looked after the same. And it breaks my heart as well that the taxes that are used in Japan are clearly used properly. They look after their parks. Kids running about, you know, singing and having their own clubs in these parks at like eight or nine at night. It's just completely different. You know, you think about your country, how how you wouldn't allow your children out late at night, would you? In the West, because you'd have fear. But in Japan, it's fine, it's safe. The amount of little groups of of kids going through these parks and enjoying themselves. It was wonderful. You heard flutes going off in the middle of the, you know, the evening. It was nine or ten o'clock at night. And it was lit up. And people were having a great time and dancing and singing. And it was just, it was like 24 degrees. It was not in the evening, but, you know, it was 18 degrees at night and then 24 in the day. And it was perfect. October. Incredible. And I came back to England and it was like 12 degrees. I was like, ah. No! <laughs> Why? <laughs> and this this is it, isn't it? You, you, you only appreciate something once it's gone. But in the moment, to those two weeks, it wasn't like work where every day just speeds past. It, was, it lasted forever in our minds. Every day we were doing so much. Those 24 hours, they lasted for 24 hours. They, la- they felt like that time. Because every day we were doing something that we p- had purpose for. And we knew we were going to get it done. And we were either going somewhere purposefully to go get a drink of coffee, for instance, going to the Starbucks refinery where they made the coffee on site and these beautiful pipes going up and down and these massive coffee makers and just this incredible, uh, you know, just place to be in. You know, it was so clean, so amazing to see the food being made on site, the croissant. Today, I wanted to eat a croissant. croissant. So I went to a place that sells croissant. croissant. And I bought a croissant. croissant. And I returned home with the croissant. croissant. And then I ate the croissant. croissant. The pizza being made, the homemade pizza made in the massive ovens, you know, like the Italians. And it's, you know, the going into the... You know, we went to have sushi on a proper sushi belt in Tokyo. And we went and had proper um, curry and went into Coco Curry, the chain as well, which is incredible. Like, you get to, you just tap a screen and, it, and the food comes to you. It's just, all of these little things, they're going to live with me forever. They're going to live with me for the rest of my life. I'm never going to forget it. It's going to be, it's it, this, Japan to me is up there I, I think the only place that could probably knock it off its pedestal of top dog would be New Zealand for me and Australia. Those two just kind of constantly live in my mind as places that have changed me as a person and also will, will forever live with me as, as places to visit constantly. Um, I think 
it's very difficult to compare those with any other countries. Europe doesn't even compare in terms of landscape and food and everything all in the space of two weeks, how you can get so much done. I think, uh, no, not even come, doesn't even come close. Southeast Asia is amazing, but uh, Japan is a first world country. You you feel so safe there. You feel, even though it's an exp it's expensive to get there, and once you've paid for your hotel, I actually think you can be really cheap. If you eat in 7-Eleven uh, or you go and find the right non-touristy restaurants, you're going to be paying, you know, really, I think, I think for two people, for that meal we had in Hiroshima, it was 2,500 yen, uh, you know, <laughs> that's like £12.50 for two people, and we had full proper meals, I had a beer and a Coke, Katie had um, like a, a drink and then some water and a fizzy drink, I believe, no, she didn't have fizzy drink, she just had water, but nonetheless, like we were, you know, going full hog on every time, every time we went to, to out for food, and I, I can't believe it, you know, the, that, that sort of quality of food for that price, you know, to go out for a meal in, in England, it's £25 a pop for one person most most of the time, so to, to think it's, you know, half of that for two people. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? You might as well eat out every night in Japan or find the right places. Because if you go into Shibuya or if you go into uh, Shinjuku and you try and eat out, you're going to be paying 5,000 yen because you're a tourist and you're walking into tourist traps. So w watch out for those and be very careful uh, because, you know, they're, they're, they're looking to try and get your business. They're looking to get your money and they ain't going to tell you about it, especially if you don't speak Japanese. So there is that. What else can I? What what else can I really? You know, obviously, uh, go see the bowing deer in Nara. Just so much fun eating biscuits out of your hand. Going to see the yeah, so many things in Osaka. The beautiful food, the local art. Um, going to see the history museum in Tokyo. Going to see. Um, just so many little places that are unknown as well and just exploring Tokyo is just one of those things that you've got to do and just go and find a really region um i think it was yakashi like the old tokyo the the really old tokyo that was incredible to see because it was just one of those places where you just could have walk about and we could have stayed there for hours but we didn't have the time to do so and this is the problem is i could have spent a month in japan and would have easily, I think I think if we spent a month in Japan, I could have got everything done and it would have been a little bit more relaxed. But, you know, and we could have gone to other places. You know what? I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret here. The last, the last place I talk about before I end the podcast. Kamakura. Now, for those who are anime fans or just Japan fans, this one you'll always know. It is the place where the train goes by and the ocean is in the background. Kamakura is just outside of Tokyo. It's an hour away via train. And that hour train ride is 100% worth it. It is incredible. I have a photo of me in the background where Mount Fuji is in the background and the ocean is to the left. Just, <laughs> I don't need to say anything more because like, that's it. It's just insane. Mount Fuji ocean train going by and then you see the ocean in the background like bam that's what life's about right there doesn't get better than that things like that 
just, you know, <laughs> I'm just thinking about old Chris is going to be just like the happiest person because he's just going to be able to think about stuff like that and think, damn good life. Damn good life. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't end the podcast better than that, really. I, th- I think there's so much more I could go on about with the trip and there's so many more things. I could probably make a part two, but let's be honest, the likelihood of this being super popular or people wanting to know more is... You know, I could go ranting on about each and every detail within each of it, but you know what I would say more than any of that? Go find out for yourself, because your trip will be much more, much different than mine, and it will be just as exciting, just as beautiful, and it will feel like two weeks of a dream come true. This has been the Taylor's Tales podcast. This has been Chris's Corner. I've been your host, Chris Taylor, and as always... I hope to see you this time next week. We're back, baby! <laughs> we are back, baby. We are fucking back! We're back! Yeah. Classic! We are back!